Hello and welcome to Owls About Stats. Feels like we've uh, we've been away for a little while, actually. So this is our September 2019 edition, entitled Monk Debunked. Basically, the things that we've all seen people saying time and time again on Twitter. We've done the research to find out if they're really true. I say we've done the research. I will admit I've not done a lot of it. The guy that's done most of it in Denmark is Peter Lerman. Hi, Peter. Hello. And over in New York, uh, probably more on my side of the research fence than on Peter's, is James Allen. I read the research on the subway home. Hello. There we go. Um, We thought this was quite important because there are things that you'll have seen people say. Uh, There's things that I've even even kind of touched on myself in podcast episodes and and things like that, uh, that you hear a lot of people kind of, you know, suggesting about um, Gary Monk. Now, we're only three games into his Wednesday career. We've had a win. We've had a draw and we've had a defeat probably not a huge amount we can learn from from those three games but we've gone back through his record at other clubs to we'll see what we can figure out a bit later on as well we'll have a bit more of a kind of a general chat about how things are and uh, maybe what wednesday uh, need to be uh, to be looking at and doing in the coming um, months and uh, and years uh, first of all then so um the first monk debunked um, so this is uh, something that we'll have seen a lot on social media. He's a journeyman and he doesn't stick at a club for very long. And of course, you know, Wednesday coming off the back of Steve Bruce, who we uh, all thought was the guy that was going to rebuild the club from top to bottom. But instead, he just buggered off to Newcastle. Um, so, uh, you know, we need someone that is that club builder. And Gary Monk is just not the guy. Um, Peter, I mean, to be like, if you look at this on paper, the stats are pretty clear on it because he's not really stayed anywhere for very long at all, has he? Uh, that's true. If you uh, look at the uh, the managers uh, currently in, 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 a work, in a job uh, in the championship uh, and you look at the average uh, number of years that they've stayed at the at a, at a club, um, excluding their current job, uh, Gary Monk is actually uh, the second lowest uh, of the entire championship. So... Uh, there's definitely some some uh, some truth to the uh, to to the uh, idea that he he's not stayed a lot uh, a, lo- a long time at his uh, at the clubs he's he's been at. Um, yeah, that's that is it's fairly damning, isn't it? If he's yeah. like you know that uh, that that stat does say it all, but um, you know we are prepared sometimes to explore the idea that maybe the stats don't tell the whole story. Not very often, but on this occasion we will, uh, because I mean, James, you know, obviously you were um, you probably weren't the most receptive to the idea of uh, of Gary Monk when he first came in, um, and you know, one of those things being the fact that he's never really kind of stuck anywhere for very long. But as we look into it, and and, and obviously we've you know we've all spoke to fans of other clubs as well. Those stats don't quite tell us everything because there've been some quite specific reasons, haven't there, why he's not lasted all that long at, at some of the clubs he's been at. Yeah, no, I'm literally a human petri dish of this uh, this episode in that I was I was pretty vehement about the fact that I was I was kind of opposed to Monk coming in on the basis of of him not being the fit of what I hope we would be putting in place for a long term build. But like you say, when you dig in, um, you know, at Leeds and at Birmingham, um, he's 
certainly been working under quite uh, volatile regimes, let's put it that way, uh, kindly, um, in terms of the chairman that he's been working with. And actually, you look at the reasons for his departure in both of those cases, they're quite principled um, in the sense that he was standing up uh, for you know, greater control of transfer policy, um, wanting to reshape squads, perhaps in ways that the clubs in question didn't, didn't want to. Um, you know, so you can actually see that he was he was trying to build projects, then perhaps didn't have the support that he was looking for to, to achieve that. So actually, that stands really well in his favour compared to, to what I think needs to be done at Hillsborough. Uh, also quite interesting, if you if you look at, uh, so that stat about him having the second lowest um, longevity, if you look at the two managers in the championship with the longest longevity, they are Nathan Jones and Danny Cowley, neither of whom particularly doing all that well with their clubs at the moment. So, um, you know, what does that stat really mean? And um, Peter, what's your kind of take on this looking beyond the stats then? Um, you know, the, this this kind of this theory that you know he's not is not the kind of the club builder that we need. Are you giving it much credibility, or are we all just being a little bit too quick to um, to, to judge on this one? Uh, I, I actually, I'm, I'm I'm similar to to James in that I was quite dismissive Monk uh, just as he was hired. Um, but again, you uh, you you change your opinion according to the the evidence in front of you, don't you? So. Um, if you look at, as, as James was intimating, uh, if you look at the, how, how his tenures ended um, at his previous clubs, uh, it, it was less to do with Monk and more to do with the uh, the chairman uh, at the clubs. Um, so you could say at least he did a good job um, at a very chaotic club, and you could say at, at Borough he had spent a lot of money, yes, but the club fired him with, with them in a, in, a, in a decent position in the table. Um, and at Birmingham, it was uh, apparently... Um, some kerfuffle about transfers that meant he was uh, he was quite uh, ruthlessly sacked, and uh, maybe they're, they're maybe they're having second thoughts now at uh, Birmingham, considering um, they're not doing too well this uh, this season. So I don't think it's something to do with Monk. I think Monk wants to build a club, but he's not been allowed to build a club. So that's that's more 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 in, in, in my mind. Um, and he's he's also said. Um, very early on in, in his tenure at ours that he wants to focus on bringing through youth. And if you're a manager who's not planning on staying at a club for very long, it doesn't make any sense to to uh, mm-hmm. to destabilize the squad and destabilize the starting lineup by bringing through youth uh, because that's only a manager who thinks uh, in the longer term. So that's that's an encouraging sign as well. Uh, you uh, you both get one bonus point for your answers there, James, for use of the phrase human petri dish, and uh, Peter for use of the word kerfuffle in a football uh, stats podcast. Which um, I I can't I don't have evidence to back this up, but I'm fairly certain that's never happened before. Kerfuffle in a stats podcast. Well done. Kerfuffle um, actually means random distribution and statistics. Peter was just translating. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, let's let's look a little bit more then at this theory about uh, whether he's a squad builder or not, because we can learn a little bit from um, the the players that were well, kind of his players that still play at their you know squads. Does he bring in players that have that sort of um, longevity? Um, Peter, you've done um, obviously all the research for this episode, so you've kind of looked into um, into this a little bit. And what what did you kind of find? Well, if you look at the uh, the, the the time he's, um, I mean, obviously some of the clubs he's been at is is quite a while since he's uh, he's been there. So so it's it's probably tough to expect a lot of the players he had at the time to still be there. 
But uh, I mean, around ten percent of the minutes uh, played uh, this season for for Swansea, Leeds, uh, Borough, and Birmingham, his his four previous uh, employers. Around ten percent of those minutes up uh, were by players that Monk uh, also played um, while he was at the club. Um, and if you dig deeper, you can see some of the uh, some of the younger players uh, coming through at at, uh, at a club like Swansea, for instance. Uh, someone like Matt Grimes, who's a uh, was, was a very integral part of that team. He 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 actually looked like he, he got the chance under under Monk. Um, so it's not it's not the worst uh, sort of uh, of of ratio that that the players he he brought through um, are still there to to a large extent. Um, so, so you, I, I think I, I mind I, I find that quite encouraging to be honest. Um, uh, so so we. We could probably uh, bank on uh, on Monk being able to to, to build a squad actually uh, on that. I, I admit flimsy evidence. It's a kerfuffle of evidence. Um, all right, cool. So to kind of sum this one up, um, this whole theory about how it's it is true that he's not stuck at a club for very long, but we're quite confident that there are specific kind of circumstances around those and that it's been more to do with the the clubs necessarily than the manager you know it's not you it's me and all that kind of um malarkey um and actually there's evidence there that you know he does sign the right players there's evidence that he does want to concentrate on youth and that suggests that he is looking at the um at the long term this is a really general question this and i'll ask this to both of you really that I think we all had quite good faith um, that you know Steve Bruce had a bit of a plan and kind of knew where he wanted to take things, and that you know he was doing a bit more than just being like a kind of a head coach. Do you have a similar sort of faith in Gary Monk? If you don't mind, I'll go first because um, I didn't. I mean, I'm, I'm coming back to my point about uh, hypothesis perhaps being wrong even in within a few weeks, just as I've got to know him, but or got to know his his philosophy. But I had the impression coming in that he was, you know, a coach that would just come in and work with the squad that was available, not necessarily work into a long term plan. He's actually really impressed me with a lot of his rhetoric um, in at least his initial press conferences, talking about the the building job that needs to be done at Hillsborough. Um, you know, he's alluded to infrastructure on a couple of occasions. But more than that, what's really impressed me is actually seeing the evidence of what he did at his previous clubs in terms of improving their training setup, the kind of the in-depth thinking around player conditioning, um, long-term development of, of youth, as, as Peter was alluding to. I mean, those are all the building blocks that we were lauding Steve Bruce for paying attention to maybe this time six, seven months ago. Um, and I'm really encouraged to see him him describing that. I haven't got statistical proof of this, but I think if you aggregated all the words of his interviews over the past two and a half weeks, you'd probably hear the word young and player more than almost anything else. So, you know, that's that's at least pointing us in the right direction. Peter? Yeah, I, I agree with uh, what James said, really. So not that much to add. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, cool. Well, uh, we'll move on then to uh, Monk Debunked number two. I wish I'd got someone to do like a silly sound effect for this. Monk Debunked. Um, Right, the second one. Uh, And this is something that was said a lot when he was first appointed. And that is that, well, he only plays 4-4-2. He just lumps it forward to a big guy. Um, Now, obviously, Gary Monk has been Wednesday manager for three games now. uh, And in two of those, we have played 4-4-2. Or yeah, you could argue there's been kind of moments of four four one one, um, and then one game where we played four three three slash 
451, depending which way you um, look upon it. Um, now, you know, it's a small sample size, three games, but the evidence there would suggest that um, he actually does seem quite happy to play formations other than just 442. What do you think, Peter? Yeah, that's that's true. Um, I mean, if the, it's it's an unfair um, reputation that he's the four four two manager because uh, way back to his start as a manager with Swansea, he, he was uh, he was definitely more of a four two three one sort of guy, and uh, and also at least that's that's uh, definitely the favorite formation. Um, so so he's he's really evolved this uh, reputation during his time at Birmingham because he uh, he played. Uh, Quite strict four four two there, um, but I think that's just just him adjusting to the squad he uh, he has at, at his disposal because Leeds had quite a few technical players. Uh, Swansea definitely also had the Swansea way um, or Swansea as uh, as they self <laughs> self entitled them. Um, uh, whereas at Birmingham he had uh, he had uh, Jukovic uh, up front and he had a lot of um, gritty championship players, um, and he. You thought that four four two was uh, the way to get the best uh, out of that squad, and and it's hard to argue uh, against that. And I think he's seeing similar at ours uh, in a guy like Stephen Fletcher. He can play that Jukovic role. So I think he's just at this point he's just having a look at what what uh, what's what's possible with this squad, and he's probably also learning what we've been talking about a lot. That there's there are some some big holes and gaps in, in this squad uh, in terms of quality and flexibility uh, that he'll have to either work around or figure out a, a way to, to do something with. Probably best evidence last night in the uh, Everton League Cup game where we experimented with a new formation, which was a 4-4-2 with a false right-back, a.k.a. one that wasn't actually <laughs> present, um, which is quite innovative, to be fair. Um, yeah. But it certainly it illustrates perhaps the scale of the task ahead. It's not just the formation, it's the quality of the players. And, and one thing that he, I think, has stressed a lot, which speaks to this point about flexibility to the squad that he has with, or that he inherits, is the need for real clarity of understanding of role and making sure those players stick to task. Um, and frankly, that's something that you know our players have, have got a bit of a patchy track record of. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if he, if he starts to build trust with certain players and that means that the composition of the team, not necessarily the formation, changes over time. He's got to find his thing first as well, hasn't he? He's, he's got to figure out how this team's going to be most effective, which is more than just figuring out a formation and which players to play. It's also then how easily you can change that during a game if it's not working. So there's a lot to to think about for a, a modern um, football manager. So um, I think it is going to take a while before we really see what, what he's going to do. And 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 I'd be personally, and this might be something that, that either of you might want to comment on as well, I'm not particularly sold that this squad that we've got is best suited to playing 442 um because i'm not necessarily sure that we have two strikers that you immediately look at and just go oh yeah they'll they'll play great together um you know we we've kind of been flirting with this sort of fletcher win all combination for a couple of games uh but that's not quite kind of settled in yet and that might be something that we see Gary Monk kind of exploring more but i i'm not sure that i see any evidence yet actually in the squad at all to suggest that there's there's one formation that clearly stands out that we should be looking at? That's probably true. Um, and it also tells you everything you need to know about how this squad isn't assembled to be a squad, but it's just a collection of players. And with, this is the point we've been going on and on about on this podcast uh, in, in the past as well. Um, so so it's it's definitely a symptom that, that there's a lot of uh, building work ahead for, for Gary Monk and it. And on the point about um, the players being able to, uh, to to adjust during the games, 
it's actually quite interesting to to uh, think back on uh, on on Josh Josh uh, interview he did with the uh, with, with a Dutch journalist while he was a Wednesday manager and, and he was he was uh, uh, throwing his arms up in the air and saying uh, these players you can't trust them with anything they 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 have to give they have, if if uh, they're being told to take responsibility on on the pitch they don't do it and and so on and it, it's uh, I mean at the time it was derided but. He was probably more right than than uh, than we realized at the time, uh, and I think Garamong is also realizing that that he's building this squad from from the bottom up, and he's he's sorting out <coughs> defensive organization first, and um, and and the, and he's probably realizing that there's a lot lots uh, to do. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you know on the credit side of the ledger, I mean, I know I made a quip about the uh, the game against Everton, but let's be fair, there's a lot of players that were kind of playing for the first time together, certainly this season, if not over the last couple of seasons. Last night, on Saturday, um, you know, when we played against Fulham, I think one thing you can say is that the movement off the ball, the positional discipline for the majority of the game defensively was was probably tighter than it has been. Um, obviously, it fell apart somewhat for the for the goal um, at the back end of the first half, but at least that shows. Uh, some progress that players are listening to that that discipline, that positional organisation that you're alluding to, Peter. Um, one of the things that I think is worth mentioning about Monk in this regard is the fact that he's got a, a real reputation for being pretty tough on players who don't follow those those lines. You know, I think in previous clubs he's he's stuck with players who play his style and follow his instructions, and those that don't actually get left by the wayside. So it's going to be interesting to see what the attrition rate looks like, particularly because of the size of our squad um, as he begins to get that comfort level up at Wednesday. Yeah, there's an interesting point in there as well because that's that's you know one of the 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 kind of the the Gary Monk rumors things that we that we you know we didn't manage to to fit in tonight. But this thing about how he you know he 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 doesn't kind of you know suffer someone that isn't doing what he wants them to do, uh, which is exactly what this squad needs in a lot of ways, isn't it? Because we can all see those, um, you know, those players that whether it's that they've been here too long or feet under the table, whatever it might uh, it might be. Um, we'll we'll chat a bit more about about that later on, and particularly about kind of the makeup of the uh, of the current squad. Uh, but our third monk debunked. He spends a lot, but delivers little. There've been a few other theories about his transfer dealings going round that for legal reasons we are not going to talk about or explore in any depth whatsoever uh but uh peter i know you've done um a, quite a bit of research on on this so this is something we talked about quite a bit with, with steve bruce wasn't it when when he took over about his transfer record and players that he signed that had ultimately been flops and players that he signed that had actually gone on to make a big profit for the clubs that he was at so um, what can you tell us about Gary Monk's transfer record? It's quite good, actually. Um, he's not made a, a massive loss uh, on any players. Um, so even the players that, that ultimately didn't uh, didn't get on well at the club he signed them for, uh, they, they still managed to, to get a decent fee for him when they when, when they sold him. Um, and and certainly, if you go back to to his Swansea days, he um, he actually operated for two years in the Premier League with a with a with a transfer uh, surplus, which is quite uh, remarkable, really, um, especially considering how well they did uh, under him. Um, it's 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 different from the three clubs because at, at Middlesbrough he he actually spent fifty million uh, pounds in 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 half a year, so that's that's quite different. Uh, to to his Swansea days, um, and obviously at Birmingham he had the uh, the, the transfer embargo, so uh, so he, he only had a, an, an outlay on, on one on one player while there. And at Leeds he he also spent, spent didn't spend uh, obscene amounts of money. It's uh, I mean you can't get more than than a Forestieri and a, and a Jordan Rose for the money he spent at Leeds. Um, 
So, so he's he's not actually a guy who spends a lot. He gets that reputation from his uh, his brief time at uh, at Middlesbrough. Um, if you look at the players he signed at Middlesbrough when they sold them again, um, I mean the the two players, Martin Braithwaite and, and Cyrus Christie, he either recouped they either recouped the entire fee or or, or just about the the entire fee. So it's not really been something that that has been. Uh, but depleting the the resources of those uh, at at, uh, at Borough, for for instance, and the, and there are players like like uh, Ollie McBurney, who's now gone to to the other side of town. Unfortunately, um, he he was actually picked up uh, by Swansea while Monk was there. But um, according to to source insights, Swansea, uh, there the, there was probably not that much involvement from Monk in the transfers at the time. So so it's probably hard to say that he the that he spotted McBurney, but. He was he was a guy signed for for less than a million. He was sold for it was seventeen million uh, this summer. So again, this points to to the fact that he's he's not buying ready made players or buying players that, that that we have done in the past, buying players that are past their peaks. But he's buying players that he can see some potential and and he wants to improve them and move them forwards. Which again I, is that's that's a squad builder all day long for me. I think there's one other point that you're kind of overlooking a little bit there, Peter, which is when you look at the players who he sold for arguably or have accreted the most value relative to the purchase price that that Monk um, paid, Ollie McBurney and Jack Hawke, the obvious commonality is the ability either to grow an enormously stupid beard or to have a father that grows an enormously stupid beard and to have some kind of connection with Sheffield United. So I don't know how that algorithm works, but it says something about our future transfer policy. So watch out for bearded people with connections to the wrong side of town. I was, I was thinking bearded players. I mean, you've got, um, is Jacob Butterfield got a club? No, let's move on. Um, so, um, so our three theories that we've um, explored there um i think we've debunked those pretty well so theory number one uh that he's a bit of a journeyman and we need a club builder well um i suppose it technically is a bit of a a, a journeyman although there is uh, a lot of reasons for that and actually the evidence suggests that maybe he could well be the guy that's going to be our club uh, builder secondly he always plays 442 um definitely not true we've well and truly debunked that one um and thirdly that um he spends big and delivers little um i think we've uh, successfully debunked that as well of course none of this really matters in terms of his past because all we're really bothered about is um you know gary monk at sheffield wednesday and what that is um going to uh, look like so um let's talk a little bit about that then and about what we've kind of learned so far from uh, from gary monk's wednesday and um and kind of whereabouts we are heading um peter what what are your thoughts on kind of team selection in the three games since gary monk's been here well, I think it made sense to to rest players uh, for the cup game, um, and I think he's not. Tr- he's he's also said this in press uh, press conferences, so it's not really uh, a big secret anything. But he's he's just trying to to um, evolve rather than than make a big revolution. Um, probably because he sees some fundamentals that are good, but I think he's also willing to to take his time to figure out what needs to be uh, be, be improved. Uh, I don't. He doesn't strike me as a guy who who's um, who, who who makes decisions um, incredibly quickly. I think he needs some time to to look at this squad and see wh- 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 where it can take us. Um, I think he's shown a willingness to change during games as well, um, which is uh, encouraging because uh, we've in the past we've we've talked a lot about 
during the Chancery era how we haven't got a plan B. Um, and you could say that he's probably he's he's interested in changing the game, but it's uh, the form game show. We still still in this uh, uh, in this world of just throwing on Atenuhu and, and hoping someone something hits him and, and goes into that. Uh, so, I mean, we've not revolved that much since uh, since uh, twenty fifteen, have we? Uh, in some ways, um, and then you see his focus is also very much on the defensive organisation, which makes a lot of sense because. Uh, even though we've been quite good at restricting uh, shots for, from the opposition uh, and restricting good quality chances, there's definitely something to be said for the uh, the lack of structure in in uh, in, in the back line, uh, particularly. Uh, and his, his his other focus is, uh, which is probably his favourite word, mentality, which is uh, something he spotted very quickly, I guess, or maybe it's just him, but it's it's definitely the. Uh, I think it's, that's the Achilles heel of this this uh, squad and this team at the at the moment, uh, and has been for yeah, four years now. The mentality uh, to to be able to play a forty six uh, game season because we've not really been able to to do that uh, uh, any of the seasons we've uh, we've had under Chancery, um, and and we definitely need to uh, have someone figure out how we improve the mentality uh, and how we get leadership into the team and so on. And I think. With Monk's focus on that and how he's operated at, at other clubs, it's quite encouraging that he could be the guy who, who maybe fixes that or at least uh, makes a start on fixing it. Uh, James, you, um, you you touched on earlier about Gary Monk talking about youth uh, and the importance of um, bringing in some uh, younger players. This is a bit of an issue for us, isn't it, as a club? Because... We, I've, I've, I keep harping on about this, but we're the only club in the championship that's not played a single minute this season from anyone under the age of 23, which um, is, I mean, we, we're, it's not like we're right at the start of the season. We're quite a few games into it. It's a bit of an astonishing stat, really, that you know we're we're entirely reliant on players 23 and upwards. Now, some people argue that that's right, that you use people that have got experience. Um, some people will argue if you've not got that layer of youth coming through, then you're just heading for a bit of a crisis point in the next two, three, um, two, three years. What What's your take on then on, on kind of the Wednesday squad when you look at it from an ageing point of view? Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's imbalanced, um, massively imbalanced at the moment. I think um, the last time I looked at these stats... Good to Peter. We have the the oldest, still the oldest average squad age in the championship. And what's most alarming about that is if you compare that with the success that our under 18s, our under 23 squads have had in recent years. You know, we've had these really promising groups of players coming through, and then this, they seem to have kind of hit this ceiling. You know, they've not graduated from the youth squads into being successful first team players. To some extent, I think you can explain it by essentially what happened, you know, roughly 12 months ago under Yoss when he, he went whole scale to youth and, and obviously threw too many players in too soon. Um, and with the results going the way that they did, I think probably knocked a lot of players' confidence um, and probably set a lot of players back probably 12 months or so in their career. But there has to be a balance between the two. And so I'm, I'm very encouraged by what I've heard from Gary Monk about the way he wants to bring you through. He talks about not just bringing a player through for the kind of, you know, the uh, acclaim of having a young player in the squad, but bringing a player through that can actually develop experience, can develop the right um, uh, success factors to have a long-term career, whether it's, you know, in, in Wednesday or elsewhere. So I, I think what you'll see is him start, start to bring through two, three players, not a whole raft, but he certainly seems to have that in his in his eye. And maybe that's reflective in the fact that we've just given Alex Hunt a new contract. 
Um, you know, certainly Matt Penny seems to be doing a little bit better being out on loan at St. Pauli. Um, Jack Stobbs, similar uh, up in Scotland. So I, I hope that there's a bit of a method there um, that he can build on. I realize some of those decisions precede his recruitment, but um, it has to happen. Um, because if you look at our transfer window, not just in January, but next summer, a lot of those older players, the more veteran members of the squad have got to move on. And we've got to have confidence that there's going to be some homegrown talent that can, can slowly move through to fill those spots. Uh, Peter, do you think that we find ourselves with a team that's just past its best? Yes, uh, <laughs> I do. Um, if you, as, as James touched on, if you look at the uh, the age profile of the squad, it's uh, it's massively imbalanced. And um, actually, uh, half the minutes played this season um, by players uh, are by players that were in the squad also in in twenty seventeen. Um, and uh, 16 of the players in the squad in 2017 is still in the squad now in 2020, which is um, nearly twice as much as as, uh, as the second t- best, uh, second highest team uh, in in the championship. So so it tells you everything about Chancery's uh, uh, collective policy uh, with regards to transfers not being very healthy. Um, and and rather than gradually uh, changing over the squad, we we're heading towards a big bang with the with a lot of players being out of contract in the next. Uh, Next couple of years, um, it's, it's actually most of the squad out of, is out of contract within within uh, within less than two years. Um, which, uh, on the po- on the positive side, gives Gary Monk uh, a lot of leeway to change the squad uh, into to the squad he wants it to be. But uh, on the negative side, also means a big risk of upheaval and uh, a big risk that we hit Apache uh, run of form because we have to integrate a lot of players at the same time, which uh, which which you don't want. It makes it harder to. Instill a, quali- a philosophy and a, and a playing style on, on, on the on the squad uh, and on the team, um, because that takes time to develop. I think just one one point of optimism, though, um, which is perhaps easy to overlook when you look at the macro analysis, the to- totality of the squad is, you know, there are some signs of of renewal in the recruitment that we made over the summer. So if you look at a couple of our ever present so far in the first eight nine games of the season. You know, players like Kadeem Harris, who've had a transformative effect on the way we attacked down the left and, and again, got us out of jail to an extent with that crossing for Nihu ultimately on Saturday. Um, and Julian Borner as well, um, you know, come in and had a real impact in the centre of defence. That just shows the positive impact that smart recruitment can play and how a squad needs renewal. Um, so we've got to be looking for more of those type of, of signings and, and just accepting of the fact that means that some of the old guard are going to have to move on. Um, you know, that there's a... There's kind of a predictability about certain aspects of Wednesday's tactics, play, and unfortunately weaknesses now, which we've just seen season season out for maybe three, four years. I know it's early in the season to be having these kind of um, discussions, but we have to plan ahead, and this is something that we need to be aware of because, um, as, um, as as you both kind of touched on there, we've we've got we've got a fair new number of players whose contracts coming up next summer so these are players that are out of contract at the end of the um current season so we've got cameron dawson we've got stephen fletcher forestieri morgan fox sam hutchinson kieran lee atty new you joe pelipesi matt penny uh, jack stobbs and sam winnell they're all out of contract at the end of the current season obviously we've got two players on loan as well um in david bates and in um jacob murphy uh, we've also got another seven or eight players who con- whose contract is up the following year. So that's pretty much our entire squad, isn't it? That the contract's going to be coming up in the next um, the next year or two. So we've 
uh, Gary Moore's got to be making decisions now, hasn't he, Peter, about which of these players ultimately are going to be playing a long-term role? Because um, we've got a huge recruitment job. That's a lot of players that if, you know, if we do decide that a lot of them maybe are at the point of the career now where it's time for them for to be to be looking somewhere else, um, if 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 from an age point of view or if just from how long they've uh, they've been here. But uh, that's that's big old task. It's huge. It's uh, it's absolutely huge, and it's probably why one of the reasons why we we seem to struggle to recruit uh, a manager for the for the job. Um, and if you look at the players that, that whose contracts are up uh, in, in 2021, uh, you got Barry Bannon, you got Tom Lees, uh, you got Liam Palmer, you got Adam Reach, um, and you got uh, Jordan Rhodes, and you got uh, Kieran Westwood. Um, and it's not players who are uh, Reach and perhaps Palmer side, not players who are at an age where you would um, where you would consider renewing their contracts because they're being at, at an age where they're likely to to uh, to get worse as time gets on, and and they're on quite expensive contracts as well, which is another factor. We have to lower the the, the cost of the squad if we uh, if we want to st- uh, stay within uh, our means uh, more than, than we have done. Um, so so again, it's it's a, it's a big possibility, but it's also a huge risk which we've brought on ourselves really because we've had plenty of uh, plenty of funds for transfers over the the last couple of years, but we've just spent it incredibly unwisely. We've been harping on about in this uh, this podcast and if you look at like other clubs that are uh, a club like Fulham for instance most of the squad they have uh, are under contract to 2022 or, or, or even later than that because they've planned ahead even a club like Fulham who last season in the Premier League were just went hell for leather and so uh, signed I don't know two teams of players almost uh, for an obscene amount of money even even in under those circumstances uh, you have a club that in, that that manages to to get young players signed up on on longer term contracts, so so they have a, they don't have a huge uh, changeover uh, at some point. So so it's we we are the anomaly here. It's not normal the way we're doing it, and it's not beneficial the way we're doing it. Um, so that needs to change and needs to change fast. And I think Monk uh, up until Christmas will look at the players and and consider who to who to offer new contracts to, even the players who whose contracts are up um, uh, in twenty twenty one. Uh, I don't think there's been a lot about Sheffield Wednesday during the Chancery era that we would class as being normal. Uh, I think we've grown quite accustomed to uh, to that. Uh, I said earlier, it's really early in the season to be even thinking about who's out of contract next summer. Uh, but everyone will start doing this in the next few months. So we're going to do it first. So we're going to go through the players who are out of contract. I'm going to ask you whether or not you give them a new contract. Um, so uh, just a simple yes or no from, um, from both of you. And um, for these, James, if you want to go first. So Cameron Dawson. A new contract? Yes. Peter? Uh, yes. Yes. Three yeses for that. Stephen Fletcher? No. No. Got to say no as well. He's doing his best though, isn't he, to get his, to get into his mind whether, you know, has he got another year in him? <clears throat> Don't get me wrong. I, it, I'm, I'm actually a big fan of Stephen Fletcher. I think he's a really intelligent footballer. I think he, he leads the line to the best of his ability and I think he will get us significant proportion of Wednesday's goals this season. Um, my worry is the contract that he's on and whether or not Wednesday can actually afford to give him a short-term contract of similar stature. If you could persuade Stephen Fletcher to stay at Wednesday on a reduced value contract, I think that would be an excellent signing. And the critical piece would be who you sign to play alongside him. Because coming back to your point earlier on, James, we miss a fast, pacey young striker to play off Stephen Fletcher. 
if you had that, then you've got a really powerful combination up front. Okay, yeah, good points. Uh, all right, Joey Pellipessi. No. 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 Uh, Atty knew you. Sorry, Atty lovers out there. I know he keeps on doing it, but no. We've got to move on. I'm a no as well. That's three no's. This is like being on... Um, it's like being on X Factor, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, this is an interesting one. Morgan Fox. No. I'll say no as well. I've uh, I've also got to say no, and I'm trying to force myself to say yes, but fullbacks are a position we've just got to improve. Uh, right, another difficult one here. Kieran Lee. Yes. Principally because I'm in love with Kieran Lee. And I, I, my emotions rule my head on this one. But in, in all seriousness, you know, I think he's showing signs that he's coming back to, to fitness and that he's still got that incredible intelligence and, and just it's speed of thought that Kieran Lee offers you and versatility, which I think, you know, providing his fitness holds up this season, I think he's worth another contract. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably be in that camp as well. Um, but I saw I saw him first, so uh, bugger off. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm actually going to say no. I think that we uh, we need to freshen our midfield up because um, I just don't think that it's doing the business anymore. Uh, right, Jack Stobbs. No. One goal aside up at Kilmarnock or wherever it is he is. Yeah, that's, I don't see it either. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's been a pro- prospect for too long. It has been uh, it has been around for a long, long time, hasn't it? Without really kind of doing anything. Uh, another young player, then Matt Penny. I'm going to pass because I, I simply haven't seen a second of him playing at St. Pauli, and I believe other people are slightly more tuned to what goes on in Germany. <laughs> uh, Peter, uh, I'd, I'd give him on. I think there's a lot of promise there, and he's uh, he's not he's. He's had quite a few, quite a bit of uh, football now, so it's it'd be interesting at least to see uh, how he gets on for another year, maybe. Yeah, I I still think he's probably the most promising player that we've got in the squad, actually. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm going to say yes. And um, to answer that point, James, um, they've been some good moments actually that he's uh, he's had at St. Pauli not particularly in his first game where he got sent off not the greatest of starts but uh, a couple of games since then um, he's done alright he actually scored on uh, Sunday but it was ruled offside which it was uh, but it wasn't him that was offside it was earlier in the move so yeah alright we've got a couple of players still to go uh, and they're not easy ones so Sam Winnell no no yes Go on, James, justify that one. I, I, I think uh, of the attackers that we've got, he's the one that's still got something to offer. Which I'd like to us... improve it, but yes, I, I mean, I, I want to believe. So let's hope he demonstrates that over the course of the season. This is going to bring us to what I think is the most difficult one of the lot. Or maybe it's not, actually, because I, not. I, I know what my answer is. Fernando Forestieri. I will hope that we sell him in January. Me too. I, I wanted us to sell him last January, so <laughs> I'm still hoping. Uh, selling January is a game changer. That's not an option. All right, if if we don't sell him in January, if it is contract renewal decision time, are you going to give him a new contract? It, it's a regretted no, because I just 
think over time he hasn't demonstrated that he's going to kick on in his career the way he should do. There's been too much indiscipline, too much positional indiscipline, and not enough delivery. Um, and we can't afford to have luxuries. You know, what's most telling about everything that we're talking about is just how many players you wouldn't renew contracts for. That means we're going to have to have a whole scale squad change, and I wouldn't build a squad around Forestieri. I agree. Yeah, I can't argue with that. I think um, good points well made there. So we're basically getting rid of pretty much everyone. So um, whole new squad incoming in uh, summer 2020. Um, right, gentlemen, well, um, thank you very much uh, for your um, thoughts and your input. And um, I'm sure we'll have, uh, we've not particularly touched on any financial stuff. Um, I believe there's, you know, some, some something that's going on regarding the the stadium sale. We might want to uh, have a look at that in the coming uh, weeks and uh, months. So um, yeah, we will uh, we will return in in the next few weeks with uh, a look at what's happening from a financial point of view, um, and uh, maybe we could actually come up with uh, rather than just kind of dismissing which players we want to get rid of in the summer, maybe we could um, find a couple of players that we think Wednesday should be looking at. Are we up for that? Yeah, absolutely. One thing Peter didn't mention is that you know some of the uh, players of pedigree that um, Gary Monk has signed are some of the players that ideally we'd have signed a couple of years ago. Someone like Kamal Roof up at Leeds, for example. So let's uh, let's have a look at the uh, the level below and think about some of the prospects that uh, that he might be looking at next. Good call, brilliant, um, gentlemen. Thank you very much for your uh, company, and we will see you next time on Owls About Stat. <laughs>